Today's reading is that on? Today's reading is Romans chapter five, verses one through eight. It can be found on page one thousand forty of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Thank you, Katie. I invite you to pray with me. Our God of grace, as we come into this space from different experiences and places today, we ask that in this time now we would hear your voice. You are here, and you walk with us, and you've brought each of us here for a reason. You have our journeys in your hands. You have the journeys of our parents, our fathers. You have the journeys of our children in your hands. And now we look to listen for your voice. And we listen from places of pain, we listen from places of happiness, places of doubt, places of sin, places of great distraction and preoccupation. We listen from places of anxiety, stress, and depression. And from all of these places, the truth is we're all in in the same boat in one way, that we're more in need of your grace every second than we ever imagined. We don't want to admit to each other how broken and a mess we are, and yet your story tells us over and over that through Jesus we are more loved and accepted than we ever dared hope. So we are simultaneously sinful and loved by you. And may we uh, sense the level of that grace pouring deep into our mess today through these words in a way that transforms. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. The question of the week last week was, how do people prove they matter? How do people prove they matter? And um, as just to, to be good to the snarky crowd among you, a lot of times I don't, I don't give your responses. You know who you are. <laughs> But I love you. You're a gift to me on Monday morning. But, as, but I want to give you some airtime here. So this is, this is one of the responses. So the question, how do people prove they matter? They don't go the speed of light because then they're energy. <laughs> that was very clever. 
the question wasn't how do, how do people prove they are matter, it's how do they prove they matter, see? So. Um, someone else said they prove it by uh, money, success, number of friends. Someone said sometimes by amassing good deeds to gain favor. How do you try to prove you matter? In my kid, the preschool that all my kids have gone to, they have um, routines to help kids know that they matter. It'd be really cool if, if our lives still had these kind of things structured around us because, you know, today is you're the calendar person. You're the calendar person. You know, today you're the snack person and everyone sings a song to you when the snack is done. Right? Today's your sharing day. Who brought this in for sharing? Come on up. And you come up and you beam and you get questions asked about you and your sharing because you matter. Or it's, today's your birthday. This week is your birthday. Let's come up and put candles on a fake cake and put a paper crown on you and you blow out the candles and we sing to you. What you say, my birthday's in the summer. Does that mean I don't matter? No, you matter too. We'll do summer birthdays the week before school's out. You matter. And of course, we grow out of that need to prove that we matter, right? We, we all get grown up and we're good to go, right? Because now I'm 14 and I know that I matter. Now I'm 24 and I know now I'm 34. Now I'm 44, 54, 64, 74. I know that we all, we just know we matter now, right? Because we're grown up. We know that we're special. We don't have to go around validating ourselves and trying to justify our existence to each other. And yet here we are, you know, growing into adulthood, you're still, you're looking around at different things for ways to justify your existence, validate your existence. You're looking to the eyes of others for acceptance. You're looking at the toys of your friends or the friends that your friends have and you get grouchy because they have more toys and friends. See, it doesn't go away, really, does it? And then you're laying out when you're in conversation with people, you don't even notice you do it, but in subtle ways you lay out your credibility in conversation and you lay out your credentials maybe to your parents. And the truth is what you're really doing as you try to achieve certain goals in life even. They're good goals, but you're using them to show that and tell yourself you matter. Thanks, guys. The light is on. <laughs> and, uh, and then there's so. Really, when we're chasing after acceptance or, you know, chasing after being attractive or productive or respected or befriended, there's a work under the work. There's an inner work that is driving some of the external things. I think maybe what we should do is we should get the over 50 crowd to hang out and tell stories to the under 40 crowd on this issue because um, you can, you can when you're younger, you can go maybe you five, maybe 10, maybe even 15 years and still feeling like that machinery of justifying yourself is being pretty productive and getting pretty close. But you can't go usually much longer than that before the bottom drops out of your self-justification machinery, right? 50 and up yep. people, yeah? <laughs> See, you can tell some stories about the things you're pouring your energy into. It's why? 
justify yourself. And eventually, life will tell you. Many of you have been there. Many of you, life has told you. You didn't need a teacher, a preacher. Uh, you didn't need a mentor. You didn't need the Bible to tell you that you can't get there proving your own worth and justifying your own existence through those things that seem so certain to pay off. Well, it turns out the Bible says that too. Um, and in the letter to the Romans, you might call it the Book of Romans, which um, is an extremely important book in the Bible, it tells us this message in a really huge way. This is one thing. I'm going to quote Martin Luther, the reformer from 500 years ago. I'm going to quote him a couple of times. This is what he says about the letter to the, to the Romans. This is in his preface to his commentary on Romans, his first words. This epistle is really the chief part of the New Testament and the very purest gospel. That means the good news of Jesus. And is worthy not only that, that every Christian should know, bless you, that every Christian should know it word for word, the high standard, by heart, but occupy him or herself with it every day as the daily bread of the soul. It can never be read or pondered too much. And the more it is dealt with, the more precious it becomes and the better it tastes. We're actually going to have a sermon series all the way into August on, from this book of Romans. And it talks about our predicament, one place. So we're actually starting today on chapter 5, and that's where our series starts. In chapter 3, the words go like this. You may have heard them. It, valid, it, it gives this message that the 50 and up crowd could tell you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, which basically, there's a huge argument in the book of Romans that you can't, whether you try Away, running away from God or running towards God, you can't validate yourself. You can't justify yourself. Even the fastidious, religious, good people fall short. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you, are, some of you came here wanting to be good church people today, right? You do the extra thing. You work really hard. You do what's expected in church. When that prayer came up and that word was wrong, the word, I think it was hake was the word. Yeah. It's not a word. Some of you probably even said it because you're like, well, it's, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm going to church. I'm going to say that word because it's on the screen. No, I don't know if any of you said that. But you get the point that there, you're trying, you know, so, sometimes in the church crowd, you're tr you know, you want to do everything. You want to make sure. And there's this whole big point in this book of Romans that even the fastidious religious crowd can't justify themselves before God. Why? This is a technical kind of theology point. Martin Luther points it out really clearly by saying this. He's going to mention the law, which is a word that just kind of covers all the things that God would want us to do. Let's just, let's just put it in modern language like that. So this is what he says about us. Get ready. Truth bomb. For even though you keep the law outwardly, it's the religious fastidious people, you say the word hake, when it shows up on the screen. <laughs> For even though you keep the law outwardly with works from fear of punishment or love or reward, nevertheless, you do all this without willingness and pleasure and without love for the law, but rather with unwillingness under compulsion, and you would rather do otherwise if the law were not there. 
the conclusion is that at the bottom of your heart, you hate the law. That's just one example of a really... And, and that's Martin Luther saying that's what a huge point that is being made in the book of Romans. I was at the co-op, um, the new co-op. It's got so many cool things. They have kombucha on tap. And I was, I was there, and in line, there was a couple of women who were on their lunch break, and they were just kind of having fun and chatty with the people, and they were testing the kombucha on tap. And the guy who was serving, they said, well, what, what's, what's kumbacha? What, what, what is that? What is this? And, and, he, and the guy started explaining, you know, well, it's this, um, you know, it's really good for your insides, and it, and it purifies, and it, and it, like, cleanses out all the bad stuff. And the woman, she didn't miss a beat. She said, oh, I don't have to go to church? <laughs> I can stop going to church if I drink this stuff? <laughs> right? Yeah, well, I would love to go on a side note about kombucha, but well, the premise of her joke um, is that there is a need. We all feel a need to get clean. We all feel a sense of, you know, uh, coming up short and needing to get rid of the toxins internally. And there is an assumption that I can do that. I can. I can cleanse myself by doing some religious activity. Make myself clean. Is that maybe why you became a Christian if you're a Christian? You know, I, I was getting into trouble over here. This is the clean yourself up path. I'll go do that, and then I'll feel better about myself. I'll feel justified. I'll prove that I matter. Romans says... It doesn't work because at the bottom of your heart, you're going to resent all that stuff that you're trying to do to justify yourself. So you can't work your way into God's good graces. God won't let you. God moves towards you and fronts the relationship. He front loads it with grace and comes to you and stops you. Even sometimes you guys have felt, some of you have experience trying to run the religious race to validate and, and justify yourself. And God put a wall in front of you and you slammed into it with all your religious activity and he, he put grace in your life. There's a great, great story that Jesus told, the prodigal son story, and I won't go into all of it, but after this young son runs away in this parable, he, 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 runs, he starts coming back to his father. He has an eye-opening moment. He says, I'm going to come back to my father. And he generates a speech that he's going to say when he gets to his dad. He says, um, uh, well, he, he says a few things, but then he says, make me, um, make, make me like one of your hired men so that I can, basically, so that I can work off, your de off my debt. So that's, he has a speech planned. And uh, in fact, let me just pull it, let me just pull it up. He has a speech planned and, and the father stops him in the middle of it. So he says, his, his, his plan, he kind of thinks it out ahead of time. I will set out and I will, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then he sa has the second part, make me like one of your hired her servants. When he comes back and the father runs out to him, 
and cuts his speech off and doesn't let him say, let me be like one of your hired servants. And instead of that, he puts the, the family ring on. Ding, you're back in the family. You're in, just like that. And the, he puts his robe on him. The point is, you're not, God's not going to let you work your way to him. It doesn't work that way. He front loads it and comes to you with grace. And so let me just read now. That's all kind of a setup for the passage that, was, that Katie read. Therefore, since we have been justified by your works, no, therefore we have been justified through faith, we have peace. Do you have peace? Someone say peace. Peace. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith. With God, through Jesus, you don't get that warning message, access denied. You don't have to go ask mommy and daddy for the password to the iPad. That's something that happens at our house. Access granted through Jesus. Later in that passage, it says, it's where we, kind of where we ended. Um, let me make sure I find it. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So just like that, you and I are robbed the opportunity of working off our debt with God. This is called justification by faith. And the quote in your worship guide by James Dunn puts it this way. Justification by faith is a sharp sword that punctures all the inflated thoughts of self-importance. It is a sharp knife which cuts away all reliance on human effort, on human cleverness. It is a sharp spade which undermines any attempt to build your own protective barriers or control our own destiny. It cuts through all human pretense, all human self-assurance, all human boasting. God accepts not the important or the activist or the clever or the powerful as such. It is the sinner he accepts. All right. It is the insight that must never be lost from the gospel is how that quote ends. Do you believe you have fully gained access into God's presence, not of your own doing, or are you still trying to work for it? Here's a book. I want to read a little bit of it. It's called The Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross. A very long, long time ago, right here in this world, there was a garden. There's the garden. In the garden, everything was wonderful. The world was full of laughing and playing and smiling and fun. There was nothing bad ever. There was no one sad ever. And best of all, God was there. Hello, Adam. Hello, Eve. He made it all. He was in charge of it all. He loved it all. People could see God, they could speak to God, and just enjoy being with God. Eve, God's here. 
He wants to walk with us again. How cool is that? Yay! I bet it's going to be even more amazing than yesterday. It was wonderful to live with God. But then one day, the people did a terrible thing. They decided they didn't want to, they didn't want to do what God said. They decided they wanted a world without God in charge. God calls this sin. Sin spoils things. Sin has no place in God's wonderful garden. God said to the people, you can't live with me in my garden anymore. And he sent them outside. Access denied. To show the people they had to stay outside, God put some warrior angels in front of the garden. The angels were like a big keep out sign. Now things were sometimes bad and people were sometimes sad, but people still kept sinning because they didn't want God to be in charge. A lot of times I don't want God to be in charge. So no one could come into God's wonderful place. God said, because of your sin, you can't come in. All right. So then the story continues. And talks about the temple being built in Israel. But then God told the people to put a big curtain around this wonderful place. The curtain had pictures of warrior angels on it. It was a big keep out sign. For hundreds of years, the temple curtain reminded people that God said, It is wonderful to live with him, but because of your sin, you can't come in. And then it goes on and on. And then Jesus comes, and then this is how the book goes. On the cross, Jesus took our sin. All the bad things we do and all the sad things they cause, Jesus took them all from us, and when he did, something amazing, astonishing, astounding happened. What's going to happen? The curtain tore. That really happened. Read Mark chapter 15. God had ripped up the keep out sign. God's wonderful place is open again because Jesus died. We can go in. And that's the gospel. And unfortunately, we spend a lot of our time, whether you know the gospel or not, we spend a lot of our time still trying to prove to others and to ourselves and to God that we're acceptable to be let in. That maybe if we try a little bit harder, we'll be let in. Or we'll know that we are let in. And perhaps you've even mentally accepted your need for God or Jesus as a Redeemer or a Savior. Maybe you've gotten baptized. But here's the test. Have you become, in any particular part of your life, have you become less driven to justify yourself? Have you started to realize that that, you know, your looks or your job or your accomplishments or your friends, somehow in there you're less driven to pursue those, to know that you're worthwhile, that you're justified? Or your work in the church that sometimes you can take a break if you're one of those that needs to hear that and you can rest because you're not working your way to God's good graces. 
That's the question. Have you started to relax? Notice that word again. I'll just say it one more time. We have been justified through faith. We have, you remember the word? Peace. Do you have peace? Let's pray. Our God of grace. So often, way too often, in churches, we make it seem or we feed the myth that a lot of religious activity is the right path towards making you happy. Would you help us to take first matters first and to let you reach into our lives, into our brokenness, into our hearts and fill us up? And may we just accept your gift of grace and your justification through our faith, not through our works. And then perhaps we might find a new heart, a new heart um, posture towards your law, towards the things that make you happy. And our heart now filled with your love and your grace, what will happen and what we pray for is that our hearts now love your law and now are so happy that we're not chasing after our validation, just happy that you've given it to us and happy to find ways to show our gratitude, joyful every day to find new ways that your grace needs to apply to our lives and new ways that we can live out grace with loving others, serving the world around us. This is a big prayer, but we ask that you answer it and that you fill this uh, community with people who have received grace and who know how to give grace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.